Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Apologies for no episode on Thursday. A couple of busy things came up for work, some, so I very much apologize for that. Uh, that's not going to be the case. Moving forward, um, again, it'll be back to full five days a week. Um, next week, but today, another action-packed show. We have Brock McGinsey's in review today. We're going to get into – we're starting to get more into the bottom six players, you know, how he played this season, injury, what the Penguins should do with him over the offseason, should he be given another chance. Also going to get into another potential Penguins trade that would make sense, I think, for them and the um, other team that has the player that the Penguins would get. Um, it's some it's something that um, I've been sent as well. A couple of other people have told me it would be good, so I you know I d- dug up dug it up a little bit, looked up some numbers, um, and you know I'll give my thoughts on that. And injury updates on Brian Dumoulin. We're going to get to that a little later on in the show, and you know also maybe do a little small preview for um, the conference final. Um, that is tonight. So that's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You're going to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Fresh off from coming back from the pool today. Had a nice off day of work. Um, it is a beautiful day down here. Um, and I, sh- should I call this Southern Virginia? I don't really think it is. It's it's Central just because Richmond is right smack um, in the middle. Um, as always, you know, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So let's get right into it. And, you know, we'll, we'll touch on Brock McGinn's season here. So, you know, we'll get to the playoffs in just a second. So obviously, you know, he was the big, one of the big free agent signings that Ron Hextall made, you know, they lost Brandon Tanev in the expansion draft. They traded away Jordan McCann. They had to go out and get a player, um, you know, that can at least do something because, you know, you, you can't just lose two players and not do anything about it. Um, so they went out and signed him again, four years, 2.75 million. And, you know, at the time of this podcast or, you know, when I, I was obviously doing it and um, this is before Brock came on, I said, you know, I, I think he's going to be better than Brandon Tanev because I looked at his offensive production. It was pretty similar to what Tanev did last year. I, I looked at his defensive defensive metrics, pretty similar. So I thought those were kind of a washed. I thought he was a little bit better offensively. You know, that didn't really come to pass, you know, too much this year at even strength, at least um, 10 goals. 20 points um, per natural stature. He played in 64 games. Um, when he was on the ice, the Penguins only had, only had 46% of the scoring chances. That's uh, one of his lowest marks of his career going back to 2015-16. Um, expected goals-wise, only 49.4% of those. That's the lowest it's been since 2018-19 when he was with Carolina. Penguins only had 47% of the scoring chances when he was on the ice. 50% of the high-danger chances, 500 when it comes to actual high danger goals for versus high, high, actual high danger goals against um, his shooting percentage, 6.5%. That's the lowest his shooting has been uh, since 2017, 18, when he was with Carolina. Um, this was a player that I thought looked decent um, during the first half of the regular season. Then he got hurt. I, think, I believe it was like a broken wrist or something like that. Came back towards the late stage of the regular season was not nearly as good in the playoffs. Obviously took that horrific penalty 
which led to Artemi Panarin winning the game um, on the, on the power play against the Penguins PK. Um, he just did way too much on that play. And, and honestly, right now, you know, my take has kind of shifted a bit because, you know, I, I kind of did take the L on him a little bit this year. And again, you know, I don't, you know, ever say, you know, my opinion is back. I try to give the best analysis that I can when I look at the numbers, when I watch someone play and, you know, he didn't live up to my expectations this year. I mean, you know, sure he had double digit goals, but, you know, I feel like any player in the bottom six should mostly any player in the bottom six should be able to do that with the, with the talent that the Penguins have down there with Teddy Bluger, you know, Jeff Carter, Jason Zucker at times. Um, Evan Rodriguez was down there for a good chunk of the regular season. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I think Radim Zahorna could come up here um, and, and pot double digit goals if need be. I think Drew O'Connor could also pot double digit goals. Maybe about Trey Pustin could as well. But, you know, there's still three more years left at this, at, you know, 2.75 million. And, you know, right now the Penguins could have used that money to, you know, maybe go out and get a backup last year. I mean, I know the options weren't super, super good, but, you know, there, there were still goaltenders that, were available that they, they probably would have signed for cheaper than that 2.75 million. And, you know, the, the cap hit, you know, it's not as much of a problem, I think, as maybe the term is. I mean, I really shouldn't say the term is that much problem because the team is probably going to stink um, after these next three, three years are up. Um, but, you know, it's you just don't really give out, you know, four or five, you know, six years, obviously, for Tana for these bottom six players. And, you know, I thought it was the, the right call for, you know, Tana to potentially move on. I was fine with the Penguins, you know, getting rid of that cap hit. You know, $3.5 million for the next four years, I think is what it was. But you have to spend that money wisely. You did, you traded Jared McCann for really no reason. And I understand that, you know, his the talking points surrounding him are – it's a dicey subject in Penguins fandom because, you know, you have, you have one side of the extreme that's super, super high on him. I, I kind of tend to lean towards that way. But then the other side is like, well, you know, the Penguins didn't really need him anyway. Look how good they were this year. And, you know, I understand that to a degree. But, you know, McCann, you know, I'm sure they could have used his 25 to 30 goals this year, uh, to say the least, especially, you know, his time on the power play and, um, and, and being another center. But, you know, McGinn just, he didn't really move the needle much. And and if I were Ron Hextall, you know, if a team came and called me about him this offseason, I would listen to it. I would listen to it very intently. I would maybe be a little aggressive in terms of moving him. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing um, going off that, you know, when Jim Rutherford was here, he usually would know if he made a mistake, right? Is that going to be the same with Hextall? You know, is he living, is he willing to, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword, or is he willing to, you know, just be like, okay. It's not really working out at least this first year, or, you know, if he comes back for the second year and he's not playing well, okay, it's not really working out. Hey man, we're going to have to ask you to pack your bags and go somewhere else and they can get, a, you know, a, a, a draft pick or like a C-level prospect back or something like that. You're not going to really get a decently um, big return back for Brockham again. Um, that said, I probably would expect him to return, but I would have a bit of a short lease. I would want to see, if he can get back to what we saw in the first half of the regular season when he actually looked like he was living up to my expectations versus after those first couple of months, he regressed, got hurt, and then looked really bad after the injury. I don't know if that was still affecting him towards the late stages of the regular season or in the playoffs, but um, his numbers r really fell off a cliff. Uh, and he did have 
on that one playoff goal that was in game three. Played in all seven games, 103 minutes of ice time. Was on, Penguins only had 47% of the shot attempts with him at 5v5. Um, 48% of the scoring chances, 55% of the high danger chances. Um, did not allow any high danger goals, at least when he was on the ice. 54.3% of the expected goals. So some good, some bad, but you know, in a lot of areas, I want to see more from him. I want to see if he can be better as a penalty killer next year because you know that was one of his biggest traits when he came over from Carolina. You know, he can be that Tanner replacement on the PK that can cause havoc and you know just be that wrecking ball that Tanner was. But you know, he played way too passive, I thought. On the PK, I know a lot of the other players did too, but um, he did not. He did not live up to my expectations for that. And you know, sure, you know, he had a couple of decent um, shorthanded opportunities this season, but you know, it wasn't enough. You know, than what we saw of ten of the previous two years, where it looked like every time he was on the ice on the PK, you know, he was doing just a much better job and you know, actually getting more shorthanded opportunities. So um, you know, I, I think this season, if he is on the team, it's a prove it year for me. Um, I want to see, you know, what he can really do when he's fully healthy. There's obviously going to be changes to the roster, especially I think in the bottom six, you know, what's going to happen with him when he potentially plays with new line mates. Maybe he can unlock some more offensive production with Teddy Bluger because Bluger was a ghost again in the playoffs. And when I do his season review, I'm going to really um, lay into him with that. But you know, I, I, you know, it's just my expectations have definitely tempered a little bit with McGinn. Again, it wouldn't surprise me if they did engage in trade discussions, if teams came calling or if they tried to open up some cap space. You know, he's one of the guys that could go out. But again, I'm, I would also not be equally surprised if he does come back. And I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards him being back. I don't think Hextall is just going to make changes for the sake of making changes. I think if he were to trade him, he would have to feel like he's getting decent production back because remember, I mean, he, he just signed him um, <clears throat> last year, but you know, definitely not looking like one of the better moves that Hexel has made in his tenure so far. Curious to see um, how he bounces back in 2022, 2023. So that wraps up my thoughts on McGinn, what likely will happen and what I think, you know, should happen um, this, this off season with regards to him. Um, coming up in the next segment, we're going to get to that trade proposal that I have. And yes, this one does involve a certain winger that's going to be a restricted free agent. Um, I'm sure you all um, know who it is, at least from a Penguins perspective, um, right after this commercial break. But before I get to that, um, BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, news and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news is from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting to esports and more. You can head to the website today or to use your phone to learn more about the trends in action. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LRS Square Penguins. So I know I did the Martin Nichas for Kasperi Kapanen trade proposal on my last episode. I, I said it would make sense for both teams. And then Elliot Friedman said on the Jeff Merrick show, and he wrote, <clears throat> excuse me, in his 32 Thoughts blog on um, Thursday, saying it sounds like that, you know, Nichas has, you know, already put a number out there for his extension, but Carolina may not. It sounds like Carolina didn't like the original number, so they kind of backed off a bit. He said, well, we'll have to see where that goes. So 
there, there's the potential. If the Penguins are interested in that player, you know, I think a, a trade could be worked out. You know, maybe you don't, it's not just a one for one swap, but potentially there's a little more involved. I, I think Nietzsche would really light it up here. The Penguins, you know, speaking of, you know, another potential trade with Kapanen, and I mean, I, I would be very aggressive with him during the offseason. I know he should probably get his qualifying offer, but um, in my view, um, I don't really think he should be on the team next year. And, and I do think there will be teams out there that will want to see if he will get a second chance to prove that last year was just kind of a fluke. And, you know, one of those teams could be the Anaheim Ducks and one of those players that could be on his way out, um, Max Comtois. Um, he's only, he's been in the, in the NHL for four seasons, had a great year in 2020, 2021, 16 goals, 33 points in 55 games, but regressed a little bit this year, only had six goals, 16 points in 52 games, um, underlying numbers wise this year, um, they did go down a, a bit, you know, 47.3% of the shot attempts for the ducks when he was on the ice, um, 47.4% of the expected goals, 46%. Scoring chances for percentage, 45% of the high danger chances did not break even and actual high danger goals for shot 8.5% this year. So that's not bad, but a little bit down from his 9.3% last year. Um, this is a player that I really think could use a change of scenery. And, you know, remember the Penguins, they got Danton Heinen from the Ducks. He didn't, he came close to having 10 goals, had a big breakout season this past year, had almost 20 goals in his first season with the Penguins. And yes, I obviously do think he should be re-signed. So there's definitely a little bit of history here. You know, the Ducks, they've never really been a good offensive team. doesn't really matter. The coach, um, you know, they're, they're definitely going through a big rebuilding process here. Um, they're still probably at least a couple years away from being in contention with the playoffs. You know, this is a young player who may not fit their long-term future. Why not, if you're Ron Hexel and Brian Burke, try to get a younger player in here who has flexibility. You know, he can play wing. He can play center. Um, at least um, on hockey reference, he is left wing, but I do believe um, he played some center when he was with the Ducks um, the last four years. And, you know, you know who he reminds me of a lot? A young Patrick Hornquist. Seriously, go look up on YouTube. I, I may actually put a link on the YouTube channel um, at the bottom or potentially even if, if you're listening to this audio only, I may put a link to the, the 16 goals that he had in 2020, 2021. And I want you all to go watch that and, and just look who he reminds you of. If you don't see Patrick, a young Patrick Hornquist in this player, um, I, I would be pretty stunned because almost all the goals that I saw he scored came directly in front of the net, whether it's deflection, causing havoc. Um, he, he is a goaltender's worst nightmare. He would make a lot of sense um, for me. And, and if I do recall correctly, um, I don't really think he makes that much money just because you know he's such a – Young player. I'm just going to check out Cap Friendly here um, real quick if I can find it. Yeah, so he only makes $2 million against the cap heading into next year. He's 23. He'll be an RFA um, after this season. So you, you will have the control of this player, which is obviously just massive. Um, and if he gets back to the production from what we saw um, in 2020, 2021, I know his price tag will go up. But still, you know, that's another added depth player that can, you know, contribute. In this lineup, you know, potentially you can put him on Evgeny Malkin's line if you want to, just because he's a, you know, he's a full-on left wing. But again, he can play center um, too. You know, if you wanted to do that, you know, put Brian Rust on Malkin's wing if you want to, even though he's probably going to be up with Sidney Crosby. You know, you can put Evan Rodriguez there if he comes back. That would be a, a potential pretty good second line with Comtois and Malkin. 
Um, I know a lot of this is silly season stuff, but you know, it, it's always fun to speculate because, you know, this could be a player that, you know, is out the door, especially if Pat, Pat Verbeek, the new general manager wants to keep making changes. I mean, he made a, a good chunk of them at the trade deadline. These two teams have a long history of trading with each other. I mean, for God's sake, they just had the Ricard Raquel trade. The Penguins I thought did pretty well there. Why couldn't they do well again um, with this one? Um, you know, maybe he doesn't move the needle so much for some people, but I do think this player has definitely more to give. And I think in a right system that benefits him offensively, uh, I think he can really show something. Um, remember, you know, I was of the opinion that Danton Heinen, you know, this is going to be the best Danton Heinen we've seen since he, since he was with Boston. I actually finally took a W with that. Um, I did not have to eat crow like I did with Cody CC. You know, heck, even Brock McGinn when I thought he was going to be really good this year and he ended up turning out to not be as good as I hoped. Um, I actually got one right, which sometimes, you know, I know that's not the case, but you know, I'm glad I did with that. But, um, you know, I, I think a one-for-one swap, you know, maybe you can I, – I, I'll say this. I think it's more likely you pull off this one-for-one swap than you would with Nichas for Kapanen. Um, you know, sure, Kapanen, he's, you know, he's one year removed from a 40-point season in, in a shortened year. This year, play better defensively. Put up decent, you know, oh, I shouldn't really say decent offensive numbers. Put up okay numbers. Comtois was a little bit off. You know, this is, I think this is fine value um, in a trade for both teams. You know, for Captain, he can go to, honestly, a not-so-good team. Play up in the lineup, potentially play with Troy Terry, you know, Trevor Zegris. Um, you know, really, you know, get his career back on track. And, you know, maybe the Ducks sign him to, I don't know, a two- to three-year deal since he's an RFA or something like that. And then for the Penguins, you know, they can have um, come to all play out this year at the $2 million cap hit, see how he does. And if he plays really well, you know, you have his rights as an RFA, you can then extend him. So, you know, I, I think this trade, you know, I know I said, again, I said the Neches for captain trade makes a lot of sense. I think this one makes even more sense from a Penguins perspective. And I would be curious to see um, if more rumors come out about come to all. But again, you know, going back to captain real quick. Uh, if I were Hexall, I would really be, you know, l- looking at you know players like these from teams around the league and seeing, you know, okay, c- can I get you know a young player back for a player who I know is not as bad as what we saw this past season, but he's also probably not as good as what we saw um, in 2020-2021. So just you know another trade idea for you all out there. You know, let me know um, in the YouTube comments and on my social media. You know, just you know, w- would you? like this trade, you, know, you can DM me you know, and, and all that good stuff. You know, I, I think, you know, it would be a slam dunk uh, for the Penguins, um, at least in my opinion. But, you know, but let, let me know your thoughts. You know, would you make the trade? Would you not make the trade? You know, do you think that, do you think they should get someone better for Kapanen? Just let, let me know um, after you listen to this episode. Um, coming up in our final segment, we get into a little bit of the conference finals and also um, an injury update for one of the Penguins players that had to miss um, most of the first round. So stick around for that coming up right after this. All right. I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So there was a bit of an injury update today when it comes to Brian Dumoulin. So he was back on the ice actually skating today on his own. Um, Almost lost my train of thought there. I was just doing going on my Twitter real quick. Um, skinny on his own, doing some drills. So um, the fact that he's just getting on the ice now and it's the Eastern Conference Final, 
Um, yeah, the Penguins would not have been able to play with him in the second round against Carolina had they won that series against the Rangers. Um, uh, it sounds like it was um, – I, oh, yeah, that's right. I believe it was an MCL injury. And, you know, this kind of lines up because it, it basically have been almost a month um, since he um, got injured. And, you know, he said the injury was when he kind of slammed into the post um, when Casey DeSmith was in in game one. Remember, you know, took warm-ups um, in game two. Um, and they didn't end up playing and then, you know, didn't play the rest of the series. You know, Sullivan kept saying he was progressing off the ice and maybe he was, but, you know, he he really had no chance of playing around two. Maybe he comes back in round three, probably not. I think the earliest he would have came back is the Stanley Cup final if they would have gotten him there. So um, it's good news that he's skating again. You know, who knows if he's going to be on the team next year, but wanted to share that with you all in case um, some of you are not on social media. Um, and, and wanted an injury update with Brian Dune one. So, you know, getting to the conference finals here real quick, you know, Colorado up two games to none, not surprised. I mean, the Avalanche are just a really damn good team. Uh, I would be stunned if the Oilers won four out of five against them. I think the Avs are going to go to the final and rightfully so. I think um, they deserve this. They've built a team that's ready to win. Um, they have crushed everyone in their path um, in the playoffs thus far. They they are 10 and two in 12 playoff games. Um, th- th- that is how good they are playing. I mean, Connor McDavid, he, he, if he doesn't wake up here, uh, they're toast. Um, they may already be toast since they're down 0-2, um, but that was a flat-out beatdown that the Avs give the Oilers on Thursday night. Uh, when you're being shut out by Pavel Francouz, who's not a bad goalie, um, but, you know, when you don't, they don't even have Darcy Kemper and they're still being, if they're still shutting out teams, um, that, that's a bad sign for the rest of the league. Um, as for Tampa Bay, New York, um, I got to think Andre Vasilevsky is going to play a lot better than what we saw um, the other night. Uh, he was dreadful. Uh, I believe coming off a loss, I think I saw there's a stat. The Lightning, I'm pretty sure, are what, 18 and 0, 17, 18 and 0 coming off a loss under John Cooper the last two or three years in the playoffs. Vasilevsky, um, he, he plays the best hockey. Remember, fellas, they, they got blown the heck out by the Maple Leafs in game one. They went, they, they, um, <clears throat> excuse me. They then blew out the Leafs in game two in Toronto. You know, I'm not saying history will repeat itself here, but the Lightning, they've shown an ability to bounce back throughout the last few years in the playoffs. I would expect a, a similar performance. I'm not going to say they're going to blow out the Rangers. I think it's going to be a close game, but I would expect the Lightning to bounce back to any of the Rangers. Again, you know, it, it just feels like they're the team of destiny right now. Very 2017 Penguins like, you know, game one, Shasurkin's bailing them out in the first period. And then they get goal after timely goal after timely goal. You know, Tampa Bay ties the game. The Rangers make it 2-1. Tampa Bay ties it 2-2. And then the Rangers just blitz them from then on. It was very similar to what the Penguins did against Columbus in 2017 at times. Um, Nashville um, in the first two home games. Um, It's pretty funny to see some of the similarities come to light and, and realize why some people were so upset at what the Penguins were doing. Again, it was just, you know, Igor going burr just like Matt Murray did in 2017. And obviously I know one goalie is way better than the other, but you know, the, the comparisons, I think you know, in terms of stats wise, um, well, I shouldn't really say stats, but the comparisons, at least, you know, playing wise um, are definitely there uh, to say the least. Um, there's really been no other news in Penguin land at this point. This was cool to look at today. Uh, Micah Blake McCurdy from Ineffective Math was looking at some old stuff for his website. And he looked at, the Penguins 5-5 five five offense in 2007-2008, and, 
And with a peak Sidney Crosby, 744 minutes, the Penguins had an expected goal score of 3.56 per 60 minutes. That's plus 58% relative to league average. There is a whole blob of red in the middle in the middle of the in the middle of the offensive zone, right in front of the net, right outside the circles. Oh, the rest of the zone is a bit of blue, but in front of the net, five, 10 to 15 feet out, that is where the Penguins were getting their chances. And then you look at, I'll pull up the tweet here. You look at the Penguins 5v5 offense without Crosby during that year, 2.09 minus 7% relative to league average, a whole lot of blue in front of the net in the offensive zone. That just goes to show how great a peak Sid was and not enough people ever appreciated it. You know, I understand, you know, maybe he was he was still young at the time, so people were still attaching that stupid whiner narrative to him. And people still call him that in 2022. It's hilarious that, you know, I understand people were calling him that when flip phones were around, but you know, we're like almost 15 years later and we still got people like attaching that name to him. It's just like, grow up. <laughs> I mean, it, again, it just, it, it this goes to show though, these, these numbers that I throw out at you all, you know, just how dominant Sidney Crosby was that year. And, you know, how just don't take that kind of stuff for granted when you have a superstar, all time great player come through your city and on your team. Um, that 2018 was probably some of the most fun I've ever had watching the Penguins, in my opinion. I mean, they steamrolled those first three, uh, the first three rounds, um, beating Philadelphia in five was obviously. Um, awesome in the conference in the conference final to go back to the final for the first time since '92. Thursday actually was the anniversary of the Sakura goal in triple overtime, which sent the series back to Pittsburgh. I know the Penguins lost it, but you know that was such a fun ride, and it set the stage for just an incredible era of Penguins hockey. And I was honestly more surprised that the Penguins won the series the following year um, than I was in 2008 when they stretched out the six games because honestly. Um, that series had no business going to six. It had no business almost going to seven with how good the Red Wings were that year and then just how good they were in 2009 too. So, um, you know, just again, it really set the golden era uh, for Penguins hockey. But um, that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Really appreciate all of you listening to this one. I'll be back on Monday for a fresh episode of this podcast. Hopefully maybe there's some news over the weekend as free agency is getting closer. We're getting closer to the end of the playoffs as well. So far, there's been no update on the contract talks for Crystal Tang and Evgeny Malkin and all their other um, free agents. Um, Hextall is, you know, biding his time. As usual, I believe him and uh, Brian Burke were at Steelers OTAs um, last week. Go check out Chris Carter for that. And then go check out Ethan at Locked On Pirates because the Pirates just uh, somehow swept the Los Angeles Dodgers and they're playing uh, pretty good baseball right now, um, it looks like. So shout out to those two. They do great work. Uh, for the Locked On Network. And again, I'll be back next week for a fresh five-episode week for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Until then, hope you all have a great summer weekend, um, and I'll talk to you in a few days.